What happens with dietary nitrates is that it impacts the arteries of your body. And that inner lining is kind of a Superman. It's almost like a superhero style thing. It's very protective, but when it's damaged by the kryptonite of standard American diet, that's what leads to this domino effect of heart disease and all of its accomplices of diabetes and hypertension. And so we want to take care of that. That's where these green leafy vegetables come into play. They actually help to regenerate and rejuvenate this area here. So that's extremely powerful. Green leafy vegetables, kale and spinach and things of that nature. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And this is a show all about your heart. We are being heart healthy in the best possible way on today's show by answering your questions as we raise those heart health IQs and bestowing the wisdom for us today is the one and only Dr. Columbus Batiste. So many great questions coming in for this renowned cardiologist like, what are the best foods to prevent a heart attack? And how can I prevent myself from having a heart attack if they run in my family? And then what are the top foods for avoiding heart disease? And then we're going to get into some more practical things as well, like the debate about to eat nuts or not to eat nuts. What is the answer to that one? They're so hard to control the portions there. But there are some health benefits, undoubtedly. So how do you balance that out? We're going to get Dr. Batiste's opinion on that. Plus, we're going to be talking about his opinion on keto. And we're going to learn how quickly we may begin to see improvement in our heart health. Even if we've been eating that standard American diet for years, the diet that's been clogging our arteries for decades, the fast food, the high fat food, the high calorie food, the meat, the dairy, the high cholesterol, all of that. You've been putting that in your system for years. Well, when you switch to a plant-based diet, how quickly might you begin to see some heart health improvements? And what happens to those clogged blood vessels anyway? We're going to learn that with Dr. Batiste as well. So you ready to raise your heart health IQ? Let's go ahead and do that right now as we open up the doctor's mailbag and chat with Dr. Columbus Batiste on the exam room live. Let's get the party started and open up the doctor's mailbag as we welcome Dr. Batiste back to the show. So good to see you again, my friend. Oh, it's great seeing you. When it comes to your patients and, and the people who you know, come in and they have trouble with their heart, what are some of the common themes that you notice? Is it that typical standard American diet and sedentary lifestyle where they're not spending a whole heck of a lot of time outdoors? It is. It is. It's all the above. I mean, I think that the American lifestyle is not conducive for health and wellness. We talk, we speak about the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But in actuality, we're not doing that. We're, we're almost like rats in a maze, and we go back and forth inside this little treadmill loop 
from work to stress and we're living in this stressful state. And that's where a big problem that I see. I see stress is pervasive amongst my patients. And as a result of stress, I see that domino effect lead to inactivity. I see that domino effect lead to nutritional indiscretions and nutritional stress that then builds the fire of disease and for heart disease that we see just exploding inside of our country. Well, let's try to alleviate some of that stress and arm people with some nutrition knowledge today. I think just knowing some things helps to alleviate stress a lot of times for me. So hopefully we can go ahead and do that today. And so our first question comes to us from Walt, flat out, what are the best foods to eat to avoid having a heart attack? Wow, that's a great, that's a great, great, great question, uh, Walt. You know, one of the things that what we know is when we look at my top several uh, foods, top three foods, I'll give you those. First, I'm going to hit you with the green leafy vegetables, right? So they're they're rich in nutrients, rich in, in folate. They're rich in something called dietary nitrates. And so what happens with dietary nitrates is that it impacts your, your the arteries of your heart, of your, your body. And that inner lining is kind of a Superman. It's almost like a superhero style thing. It's very protective, but when it's damaged by the kryptonite of standard American diet, that's what leads to this domino effect of heart disease and all of its accomplices of diabetes and heart disease, uh, excuse me, and hypertension. And so we want to take care of that. That's where these green leafy vegetables come into play. They actually help to regenerate and re rejuvenate this area here. So that's extremely powerful. Green leafy vegetables, kale and, and spinach and, and things of that nature. What's number two? My berries. So fruits are great, but here's a key thing, right? What happens when you slice a banana? Oh, bananas are great for you, but what happens when you slice a banana or apple? They turn brown, right? What happens when you have berries, blueberries and blackberries and raspberries and pomegranate seeds? They don't turn brown. They're rich in antioxidants. So when you feed your body with these antioxidants, they sacrifice themselves for your behalf. And so now they help to strengthen. So studies have shown that these, these foods are extremely powerful for lowering blood pressure, extremely beneficial for your heart in general. Those are powerful. We know that whole grains, the fiber that's contained inside whole grains and is extremely beneficial. Whole grains and legumes can be extremely beneficial in reducing your burden of disease. So those are my those are my catchments right there. The top three I would say are my berries, my uh, green leafy vegetables, and my whole grains are going to be uh, in there in legu with legumes. Solid follow-up question here from Gus. And I think this is something that a lot of people are probably wondering. He writes, heart attacks run in my family. What is the best way to make sure that I don't have one? Yeah, yeah. You know, first, I think the first thing to know when you're when you're at risk is just like your bank account, Chuck. You know, so when you look at that large bank account that you have now, for you, you may not have to worry about the money in your bank account. For people like me, I have to worry about it. So that means I have to, number one, check my values. So you want to go ahead and be tested. You want to know what your blood pressure is. You want to know what your cholesterol is. You want to know what your weight is. And don't be afraid of that scale. Step on it. It's going to give you a sense of what's going on in your body. So first concept of trying to prevention is knowledge of understanding that. The second thing for understanding about, about this relationship of family dynamics is that your DNA is not your destiny. That is indeed the key that study after study is telling us that your DNA is not your destiny, that you can actually shift the confines of these things. You're, you're, it's more of like a, 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 instead of it being a dictatorship, 
your genes are not a dictatorship. They're more of a democracy. It's a round table and you can sway the vote based on the things that you do, the way that you think, the way that you move, the way that you feel, the things that you put into your body in terms of nutrition and those value adds. So it is true that your DNA plays a role, but it's a very small role. The most important thing that happens from families is passing along the habits, passing along the cookbooks, about passing along people who live. When you, you show kids how to grow food, they're gonna eat that food. When you go outside with your kids and you walk and you run with them, guess what they're going to, going to do? They're going to walk and they're going to run and they're going to play. When you teach them eating healthful foods, they're going to come back to it. Even if they go off divergent for a period of time, they're going to come back to these things that you show them. So families are key importance because they pass these things along. And that's such an important message too, that so often gets overlooked. People just assume that it is fate, you know, say you use the yeah. word destiny and people just are like, well, my, my grandfather had it, my father had it and, and my grandfather's father, he had it. So there's no way that I'm going to avoid this. Well, the fact of the matter is, as you just explained, there's a great chance that you can absolutely not follow in their footsteps in this regard. Question from Don, what is the best diet for reducing the risk of heart disease? Yeah. You know, so it's very similar as when we talked about prevention, right? So a lot of the work and you folks out there who are followers of this great show know the work of the likes of Dean Ornish, know the works of, of, of Dr. Esselstyn about many others that are out there. And so we know that one of the key things is that it's a multiplicity of things that play a role. And so when we look at nutrition as a key core component, that studies have shown as you begin to move away from eating any and everything towards a plant-based diet, whether or not we're looking at the Adventist Health Study, the Epic Oxford Study, we're looking at the Lifestyle Heart Trial, we're looking at the Mount Abu Open Heart Study. What it's showing us is it's telling us that as you move away from eating these animal-rich proteins that are high in saturated fats, that stimulate your gut microbiome to produce trimethylamine oxide, the CMAO, that as you move away from those things, your heart disease begins to improve. Studies have shown that you improve. Remember I taught, I spoke about just in the segment before about that lining of the vessel called the endothelium? Well, that is very reactive. It's an alive substance, right? So it, it produces something called nitric oxide, which allows it to dilate, allows it to constrict. And studies have shown that these animal products can impair it. And so one of the phenomenal works that have been done in the past showed that when you transition away from these animal products towards eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, legumes, um, and seeds, that all of a sudden what ends up happening is that you have improvement in the dilatory effect of that of your vessels, which confers beneficial effects on your heart. It stabilizes the lining. That's really the purpose of statin therapy, right? So statin is not just solely about lowering the cholesterol. It's about stabilizing that lining, that inner lining. And so if you can accomplish this through your nutrition, there's power that's there, right? Your lifestyle can actually lend to it and it can have medicinal purposes. And that's really the value. So you mentioned uh, seeds and nuts uh, there. And a lot of people are wondering about the amount of fat in a heart healthy diet. So how much fat should we be eating every day? Well, when we talk about when we talk about uh, nuts and we talk about fat in general, even if we, we speak to the American Heart Association, which is a little bit higher in terms of their recommendations of 20 to 30 percent fat, and we talk about some of the low fat, less than 10 percent, we have to be very cognizant of the amount. Now, I will tell you one of the biggest pros, and I know this is an area of quite concern 
in many inside of even the plant-based world and outside the world is really the, the idea of fat from nuts and seeds. And so when we look at studies, the studies have shown that small amounts may have some benefit that's there in terms of wellness. But here's the catch. I don't have them. And the reason why is because I know I'm a snackaholic. I know I am a sweetaholic at nature. I'm a recoverer. So I don't have that self-control. So I'll tend to have more than what I should have. I'm going to have more than a, uh, two or three tablespoons of raw, unsalted walnuts, hazelnuts, Brazil nuts, or seeds that are there. So I choose not to have those. They're rich in omega-3s, which are powerful because you want that omega-6 to omega-3 ratio to be low, right? Otherwise, it's high inside of the American culture, which pretends disease. So they're rich in omega-3s, which is extremely beneficial. It helps with your mental function. So there's value that's there, but we have to be careful in the way in which we approach it. And the American way tends to be more is, is better. And that's problematic. Uh, in terms of it. So we want to reduce the amounts, but we want to mainly look at whole foods. That's the key. Stay away from processed, processed oils. Stay away from highly refined processed nuts that with sugar and salt and all those things. That's what you want to stay clear of. And that's going to give you the value for your arteries of your heart, give you the value in terms of overall. What's good for your heart is good for the rest of your body, good for diabetes, good for stroke prevention. It's going to be good for cancer prevention as well. Oh man, you are not the only one that has a hard time just limiting it to maybe one handful of nuts. I mean, when you get that jar in front of you, it's so hard not to just walk away from it. It's so hard. It is. I'm it is because I mean, you know, I mean, when I first kind of started really transforming my diet, I'd have a can of nuts on my desk at the office. I'm, I'm eating healthy, pop, pop, pop. And the thing was, is they weren't even raw nuts. They right. were honey. They were honey roasted at times. They were salted with extra oil on there. And I'm like, I'm eating for my health. Why am I not? How come I'm not losing weight? How come I'm gaining weight? And you begin to wonder because we have this in our mindset, this lack of self control, and we continue to go on, and it becomes a a, a victim of the standard American diet in terms of the salt, sugar, and fat and what we're putting in our bodies. Oh man. Yeah. And, and just a quick question. Is it important if you are going to indulge in nuts, if you are one of the people who can limit it to just that palm full a day to make sure that you're picking up either raw or dry roasted nuts, ones that don't have any added oil? Absolutely. Absolutely. So nuts, I mean, listen, if we go back to the way nuts really were they're they are encased in the shell. And the meat of the nut, you have to actually pick out. So number one, there's effort that goes into it. So when you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, I'm going to just purchase my nuts that I'm into in order to eat. These, as Chuck mentioned, are pan fried. They're pan roasted with oil inside of it. Salt is added to it as well. On top of this being already a nutrient dense, highly caloric uh, substance that's there. So now you're having excessive amounts because of the fact it's readily available. And that's where the problem really lies. So I know I'm not good at measuring out. And, and just to kind of contradict you, I know this is what you meant. I don't like the handful analogy because here's the thing. My handful back in the day, I would have it where it's almost pouring out of my hand. <laughs> I have big old clumps of it. I wasn't taking just a small palm full. I'm taking this clump out and I'm putting some in, put some more in. Oh, I just had a handful. What does that mean? Yep. What yep. exactly does that mean? So... I, I encourage folks to be very specific and very intentional, just like, you know, I mean, cooks out there will say, oh, I cook by ear that I just put a sprinkle of this, a dash of this. Well, there's 2000 milligrams of sodium in a teaspoon of salt. 
don't don't cook by ear. Don't measure by these these arbitrary values. Be very specific as you're starting out. Be very specific, just like you want me to be when I'm prescribing you pills. You don't want me to say, ah, I'll give you uh, just a sprinkle of statin, a a dash of beta blockers, and a and a, a little rounded out with a little bit of of ACE inhibitors. No, you want me to be very precise. Yeah. And so man. as you're as you're going through with some of these things, you need to be very precise. I'll tell you one of the things that helped me was actually finally taking the time to look at the nutrition labels on just a jar of peanut butter. And again, like I was looking for peanut butter that did not have any added sugar or oil or salt or anything like that. I just wanted plain old, you know, just mashed up peanuts, but then you flip it over and you see the amount of fat there. And then you look at the serving size, it's like two tablespoons. Well, the two tablespoons of peanut butter, if you like just scoop that out and you look at it, you're like, that's nothing. So you really do have to be extra careful with this. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the values of having the other other things we spoke about. When it comes to fruits and vegetables and whole and the other whole grains, and we're talking about legumes, uh, excuse me, beans, you don't really have to worry about the volume. Your body is going to dictate it. Why? It's rich in fiber, right? It's rich in fiber. It's not that calorie density is not the same level. So it depends on your goal. It's not saying that it's an issue of we have to move away from thinking in terms of good and bad solely in terms of what is most health promoting for my goals, right? So if I'm looking towards saying, okay, I need to be intentional in investing to try and alter one particular issue, cholesterol, family history of diabetes, or family history of heart disease, I'm being very methodical in my approach. I'm, I'm doing my meditation, I'm getting my exercise, I'm getting my sleep, and I'm rounding it out with a core component of nutrition and highlighting those things that are actually health promoting. That's the key, is health promotion. Is it health promoting for your body? All right, let's take a question from Elizabeth here. We mentioned added oil in peanut butter, but oil is also, there. there's this uh, belief out there that oil can be heart healthy. So she's wondering, for all heart patients, should they avoid oil? Well, you know, there's no need for oil. So I think we're, the confusion and the difficulty, I won't say so much confusion, is that when we look at studies and you look at the, the famous Lyon uh, study and you look at the famous, um, you look at the famous PREDIMED study out of Europe and looking at the replacement of saturated fats with mono and polyunsaturated fats. So there's no doubt on earth that saturated and trans fats are the worst things in, in the world. They are just just they will attack you they will kill you they cause every every sense when you begin to move towards the polyunsaturated and the monounsaturated where um, these large scale studies show that when you replace these these are better for you but here's the key we know too as well that the whole foods are better than the processed foods and we look at once again is this nutritionally valuable for me are there nutrients in this substance they are adding to it? You know, is there, to use a, a Joel Furman's equation, is the health quotient, is it, is it the health over the calories, nutrition over the calories equals the healthful nature of the food? What's the nutritional value of oil that's 125 calories inside of a tablespoon? So do I dissuade people? Yes. Now here's why in part I dissuade people additionally from use of oils is because most patients I interact with, they're frying. They're heating the oil. They're using it in order to, to grill their meat or to, to, to fry other things. It could be vegetables too as well. And we know that what that does, it changes the, the chemical structure of, of, 
of the oil, of the olive oil too as well. We know that on top of this, this is contributing to something we call advanced glycation in products, that these fried foods and these meats and, and things of that nature, they lead to another level of damage, of browning of the vessels. So there's so many layers as to why I recommend folks to stay clear of oils unnecessarily use vegetable broth. It's easier. Now, if they were to decide to go ahead and have oil, what I tell them, and they're insistent on them, you know, okay, yeah, I tell them extra virgin olive oil over the others based upon those studies, but I still dissuade folks from having it for optimal heart health. Okay. So now let's talk about something that I saw on your Instagram here recently. You, you posted a news clip of a gentleman celebrating his 111th birthday. Let me say that again, yes. 111 years old. And he was asked, well, what are the foods that you really think are keeping you around the most? Now he was eating a, a plant-based diet, but among the foods that he said that he ate every day was olive oil. Would I be correct in assuming here that he probably was not frying anything with that olive oil? He was maybe drizzling a little bit on a salad or something like that? Now, Chuck, I, I love that video. That video was incredible. But one key thing that made me laugh about the video is he described the olive oil, but listen to the way he used the olive oil for his feet to massage his feet. Oh, he said, that's how you keep your feet as smooth as butter. And no issues whatsoever is that you massage your feet in olive oil every night. <laughs> there it is. Okay. I, I totally missed that part because they, they put it in that list of all the other foods that he eats every day. Yes, yes, yes. But but yes, correctly. You are correct that in terms of in terms of, of frying, that's a whole different thing when you're adjusting. Now, here's the biggest problem is once again, I describe so imagine this for those of us out there who are listening. You decide to go to your favorite Italian restaurant and you're hungry. And so now on top of you having the bread and it's better yeah, if it's sourdough, but you know, you have the bread and you're soaking it in the olive oil. And I just told you that olive oil has what? It has 125 calories per tablespoon. Well, you're not just soaking up one tablespoon on there. You're likely a, a tablespoon is what? Half of an ounce. That means two tablespoons, 250 calories per ounce. You're soaking up two, three, four ounces of this. Your calories are up to a thousand calories just in your appetizers, right? So we're looking at the impact of this on your body. Now we're looking at the potential for weight gain. We're looking to as well of there's been small studies and there's been contradictory studies in terms of the endothelial impact in terms of oils. But we know that this at a minimum, it's not adding nutritional value that's there on a consistent basis because it's been extracted all the fiber the phytonutrients from those olives. Eat the olives as opposed to the olive oil. 40 olives for about a tablespoon of olive oil. I believe it's somewhere around 12 to 15 years of corn for a tablespoon of corn oil. And so we have to begin to transition to eating real food, whole food. And by the way, that that guy at 111, I mean, he looked like he was 70 at most. Yes. Uh, just incredible, this this gentleman. I mean, I was blown away. Check it. Matter of fact, head over to uh, his Instagram as soon as we wrap up the segment at heart healthy doc uh, at healthy heart doc heart. Uh, I got yeah. this. It's up on the not healthy heart doc. There it is. I got it. Uh, sometime I'll learn how to talk. But anyway, check that out. Just incredible, incredible uh, post. Um, we were talking a little bit about sodium earlier. Topper is wondering how bad is added sodium for you? Oh man, you know it's 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 it is a problem. 
It's a problem inside Western diets. We know that we're probably ingesting over 10,000 milligrams of sodium per day on average from processed foods. Most folks are saying, hey, listen, I don't add it to my food because it's already built in, right? And so if you're eating whole foods, right, with singular names, I always kind of joke and I'll say, you know, we know people by singular names. That's how you know they've reached the level in which they're incredible, right? Madonna, MJ, Michael, uh, LeBron, you know, all these singular names that you, they've reached a level of status, broccoli, kale, red beans, these are singular names. And so when you're eating like that, that's when you don't have to worry about the sodium content because your body's getting just the precise amount that it needs. So what happens with sodium intake? So studies have been shown that with this excessive salt intake, that independent of elevation of blood pressure, that it can impact your brain, it can impact your blood vessels and that lining of the vessel, as I mentioned to before. It can restrict your vessels from uh, expanding like what they should. We know about the fluid retention. We know about the shift in microbiome. And there's been even some suggestion about shifting in terms of your immune system. So there's the, what we're doing to ourselves in terms of this westernized standard American diet, it's so layered in terms of its damage um, that we begin to wonder, and we're so used to this norm of not feeling well, that it becomes the new norm. Is that oh, I'm used to being bigger. I'm used to being tired. I'm used to having to take medications at 75% plus from the Mayo Clinic proceedings a while ago showed that uh, 75% of Americans are taking uh, pills, prescription pills. And so this is problematic. It really truly is problematic. Uh, let's uh, take it next level knowledge here. This is a question from Maya. Wants to know, should vegans supplement with L-carnitine for heart health? Would TMAO still then be a concern? So, you know, in terms of with the supplements, I mean, one of the hard parts about the supplement business is that for the most part, many of these supplements haven't been real proven inside of randomized trials, right? Or even large scale epidemiologic trials. You know, we're looking at large scale meta-analysis is going to have substantial benefits in helping to dictate what we should take or what shouldn't take. And so not having that means I don't really, I can't strongly support um, taking these supplements in that particular instance, with the exception of things that are detrimental, like not having enough B12, um, or if a person is deficient for vitamin D because they live in an area in which they're they're not able to get enough sunlight and because of their work. Um, so we do know that, number one, that carnitine is a driver for TMAO. And we do know that these things can become problem, that it's a, it's a major problem out there. But we know that carnitine is primarily found inside of animal source products, not completely, but it's primarily found there. So I think the key, the key scenario is, is eating real food, whole food right now is the one thing that's been shown. If there's studies that come out telling us really large scale about carnitine, I'll be the first in line to, to promote it in terms of uh, taking the supplement. Talking a little bit earlier about genetics, Elizabeth here in the chat writes that she's not a heart patient herself, but her dad died at 49 of a stroke and his dad died at 39. She says that she just started a whole food plant-based diet a month ago and is sauteing with water. That That's uh, incredible here. And the yes. fact that she's making these types of changes, again, I believe goes to the notion that she doesn't necessarily have to follow in their health footsteps. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, you use the title to introduce me that I'm an interventional cardiologist, which means that part of my job is to go in and stop a heart attack in its throes, put in stents or metals to prop the vessel open, to help a person stop with their, 
their symptoms of angina or chest discomfort or shortness of breath, whatever it may be, and stop the progression. Well, also that's so I believe using that same thought process is that there is no prevention, there's only intervention. So for Elizabeth Althea, I think that you are intervening right now, right? Before you actually have the manifestation, but we know that the groundwork for disease is laid in our youth before the age of 10. I mean, we know this for those who are, are well entrenched inside of whole food plant-based and, and the docs who've been out there kind of discussing things. We know that the foundation is laid. So the question is, can we shift the foundation? Can we alter it? And that's what you're doing. That's why there's so much power in what you're doing. And it's not, you know, I mean, one of the things that dissuades folks a lot of times is that it's not all or none phenomenon. It's not a guarantee to use a sports analogy for someone who's a sports fan. I'm 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 a, a beleaguered uh, a sports fanatic, and so you want to hit a free. Th you might hear a, hit a layup instead of a three point shot. You want to score the goal from right there outside the goalie's box, as opposed from the 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 fifty yard line. You want to do these things. And you're increasing the odds, and that's really what we're speaking about. That by adopting a whole food plant based diet, you're increasing the odds exponentially of improving your health span. Now remember I said health span, not lifespan, Chuck, right? Now why <laughs> is that, <laughs> right? Health span, none of us know how long our lives are gonna be, but if I can live on this earth as healthy as I can. Now I was just talking with someone who I'm, I'm mentoring a bit there. I gave a lecture and he sought me out afterwards. He's a high level exec, gave a, a lecture for their company. And I just, just for fun, I don't do it often. I don't do it for pay or anything of this sort, but I said, you know, let me help this guy out. And so we've been sh been adopting a whole food plant-based diet over the past two weeks. And so just this morning, I asked him, I said, well, tell me how you're doing. He said, because he was like, Doc, I don't have any heart disease, whatever. But after hearing you, I think I should do something. And I said, okay. I said, so two weeks, he's doing it, right? So he's dropped 10 pounds in two weeks. I said, how are you feeling? Tell me how you're feeling. I said, you know, I don't know if it's just placebo or what, but... I, I actually, I'm less lethargic. I'm, I have mental, I, I feel a little bit clearer. I'm sleeping a little bit better. You know, I don't know if it's just because of the weight loss. And I said, you know, it's kind of funny how we ascribe everything to something else. I said, you know, there's value. I said, because you are transforming your body, you're changing on the inside. And that's where there's so much power. So once again, to Elizabeth, uh, kudos to you. I applaud you. This is what we all need to do is to take um, our health in our own. Uh, on our own shoulders and move things forward. How much do you know about uh, nitric oxide here, changing gears a little bit? Do you know yeah. a lot? Because we have an interesting question here from Stephanie. She wants to know, what is the best way to prepare greens for maximum nitrous oxide production? Is it boiled? Is it steamed? Or is it just to eat them raw? Mm, so that's a good thing. So lightly blanched, we know that, um, so I won't try and claim to know a uh, excessive amount <laughs> that's there. But in terms of preparation, we know that chewing and the mastication process ex is extremely important to break the bonds and to release the, the isothiocyanates uh, that are there that are going to help trigger the process towards developing the nitric oxides, that are the, the, the dietary nitrates that are needed. So you chewing is extremely important. So whether or not you blend um, you can lightly blanch. You want to maintain the crunchiness. You don't want your vegetables to be limp and to 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 soak out all of the nutrients from it. You know, in the historical times, they called that down south the pot liquor, right? Is where then then they would drink the 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 juice from like the boiled down greens. Well, you don't have to drink all of that. Just don't make it cook it where it's so limp, and that's where you're going to get value. That you're going to get the nutrients that you need. Um, in order to convert that. So I would say lightly blanch, 
don't overcook. I would say try and chew as opposed to juice. Um, I think the version of that, if you're inclined towards that, is um, smoothies. You're breaking those bonds, which will help kind of release it because that mastication is extremely important in the process. Breaking those fibrous bonds um, to release it is what my understanding is re regarding uh, dietary nitrates. But remember, you also get it measured amounts from sunlight from stores in your skin can actually help another value of vitamin D from the sun. It helps release diet, uh, excuse me, nitric oxide that can help lower the blood pressure uh, there too as well. So power all around. All right, we're gonna bounce around a little bit with the time that we have remaining. Um, in this country, we, I mean, we just have this love affair with processed foods, refined foods. Um, and uh, in a lot of those, you see palm oil is listed. Mm -hmm. uh, blind guy, his wife, their life, phenomenal. Uh, husband and wife from Norfolk, Virginia, my hometown. Uh, they have a great YouTube channel. They're watching today and they want to know, does the doctor have any information on palm oil? They say that they've read that palm oil from Africa and South American countries that's not blended works like a lubricant that helps to eliminate plaque in the arteries. What do you know about that? So I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with those studies that they're quoting uh, there or that they're referencing rather. I am aware that there's a heavy use of, of palm oil in West Africa, right? And that is, is used an awful lot. I've seen that reported. I've seen that described. What I can tell you, and, and so it's very similar. I see it more very similar in terms of coconut oil. And I would love to see more research that as we begin to tease things through a bit more, just in a very similar fashion that there was this movement towards coconut oil and we need to use it for everything. And the studies actually began to refute that, began to show that the inflammatory process index indices were abnormal with the ingestion of, of coconut oil. And so I'd be curious to see about palm oil, but once again, oil is oil is oil in terms of it being a liquefied form where you extract out and process in order to have this liquid form that's used oftentimes for cooking and for heating at higher temperatures. And that can be problematic in general. So I've seen that a consistent theme, although I have not seen specific literature towards palm oil, but you know what? I'm thank you, thankful for this question because I will look it up. I've interacted with quite a few West Africans and, uh, I, and so this specific form of question hasn't been posed to me, but I will take it on to, to research it out a bit. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance this afternoon, uh, Dr. Patisse, please do take a look at their YouTube channel. I mean, you want to talk about some adventures um, that are just the funniest things you will ever see in your entire life, but just go to show that there's no such thing as being disabled. You know, it's, it's yeah. just abled in a different way. I mean, this is the very definition of it. They are fantastic. And, uh, I, I just, I like them so very much. Um, next question comes to us from Bill. How do I reduce my resting heart rate? It's currently 88. It's mm, mm. a good question. That's a great question. So on this theme of whole food nutrition and so forth, one of the things that's been shown is actually beans may actually, in some smaller studies, actually lower the heart rate, which is interesting, right? So, you know, our beans, we're talking about red beans, black beans, garbanzos, any particular form of beans might be beneficial, but we know too as well um, that we're looking at questions I'd ask are what's your hydration like? You know, that's something that oftentimes is overlooked in discussions about lifestyle as a person's hydration. And dehydration may in fact lead to this chronic dehydrated state or elevated resting blood pressure. Uh, the second thing I'd look at is your is a person's caffeine intake. So whether or not it's in the form of teas or whether or not it's in the form of, of coffee, 
being aware of the caffeine, which because it's a stimulant. So we're driving this cortisol state inside of our body or fight or flight state, which is, is can be problematic. The third thing I'd look at is, um, excuse me, or the next thing is, is a person's sleep. So I want to know what your sleep is like too as well. Are you getting close to seven hours? That once again, we're looking at that cortisol cascade. Is it constantly, your body constantly ramped up? That's there. And lastly, exercise activity. What's your exercise like? We know that as you improve the efficiency of your heart, so just so you all believe, I actually am a, a doctor, something called your cardiac output is equal to, which is the amount of blood that's ejected is equal to your stroke volume, the force of blood expelling from the heart times your heart rate. So if my heart rate is faster, maybe the stroke volume is possibly not as optimal in order to maintain the same level of cardiac output. Obviously, as I need more cardiac output as I'm exerting myself, the heart rate goes up, naturally so. So you, I want to, that's one of the goals of where I would leave folks is being more active, can be simply walking, getting more sleep, hydrating more, eating more beans. And these are the foods of the blue zones. We know that lagoon, that beans are, are some of the staples of the blue zones around, of the most long lived individuals around the world. I want to say uh, quickly hello to Lana, who's on day four of eating a uh, whole food plant-based diet. Um, she says that she's living with uh, three huge uh, eating omnivores. Uh, so she's, she's you know, hoping for some good vibes. So Lana, we are sending all that we have your way. Um, yes. I think that you got this, Lana. You got that. The fact that you want to do this tells me that you can do this. So stick with it. You're going to be okay. Wouldn't you agree? It's all about Absolutely. the mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, two more really quickly. Uh, first, what is your opinion on the keto diet from a heart health standpoint? Yeah. So first I'll, I'll say this is that anything that moves you away from the standard American diet, it's value add, right? So it's valuable from moving you away from standard American diet, the highly processed foods, the shelf foods, all the full of salt, sugar, sugar, and, and fat too. Now, unfortunately, the keto diet still keeps you in the fat. Now where the keto diet, the only areas of science to my last review that keto has shown any efficacy were in seizures of small children, but not in terms of long-term benefits for the cardiovascular or cardiometabolic system. And that's where it's problematic. When we look at the breakdown of, once again, saturated fats, which only come from animal products and animal protein too as well. So we can move away from the fat concept to just animal protein. We know that those things have a poor prognosis overall in terms of longevity, in terms of heart health as well um, on the larger scale. Repeatedly is what we see this consistently throughout literature. So that in my mind, that takes me, that, that eliminates the idea of paleo, eliminates the idea of keto when I look at these longitudinal, these long-term things. And I think more as science evolves and we're learning more of the why, that's where we're finding things like the microbiome and its impact in trimethylamine. And we're seeing that these things stimulate this pathway which also really uh, high, uh, supercharges these disease processes. So in terms of keto, to answer your question, keto for heart health, no, I would not use keto for heart health. And that's a, and the other reason why that's a great question is many times your why is really important. If your why is, how can I lose weight? Okay, yeah, keto may actually help you lose weight. A lot of ways can help you lose weight. But if your question is, how can I achieve heart health based upon literature that's out there, Keto is not the answer. A whole food plant-based diet is the answer that is most consistent across the board. 
Final question is a great one for anyone who is just beginning their journey. How soon after changing to a plant-based diet does the repair process begin? And what happens to those clogged blood vessels as we begin to eat all of these plant-based foods? It's great, great, great question. So we know that it starts early on. Now, how early does it start within a day or so? I, I, I can't really glean it down to that specific granular level, but studies have shown, Dean Orner showed that within a matter of three weeks, that symptoms of angina seem to improve, that symptoms of functionality seem to improve. We know that there's transformations in terms of the inflammatory profile, which means like your cholesterol, your C-reactive protein, your Aaron leukin 6 all these things that are the makeup of atherosclerotic process that we can see this happen. So remember, one of the things that we talked about, it's not an issue that we have to worry about complete resolution or dissolving of all the plaque that's there. It's more about stabilizing the plaque to prevent it from erupting and getting angry. Think of it like the like like an area of the world which is prone towards conflict and warfare. If you can stabilize that area with the United Nations to keep it peaceful, then you're being beneficial, but it's always potentially underlying there. So you stabilize this plaque area. The other thing is that you get the small amounts of regression is all you need to improve the, the flow by four times. So you're improving the blood flow, which means that your heart is working more efficiently, which means you feel better, which is our goal is prevent heart attacks, um, longevity and reduction of symptoms. That's the goal. And so there's power there. And I would say overall, based on the research, probably within the first, within the month, you, those changes that are happening inside are happening, um, uh, are developing and become manifest by your blood work and your blood pressure and things of that nature in general. And Dr. Batiste, I could talk to you all day, my man. I feel like this conversation just needs to keep going and going and going, but we, we can't do that today. So I would love to invite you to come back on sometime soon. Love to, love to. It's always great chatting with you. And, and man, you know what? Two things I love, the heart and nutrition. So this is great. Doesn't get much better than that. And oh, by the way, uh, perhaps your next opportunity to see Dr. Batiste is coming up July 15th through 17th at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. I understand that you're going to be one of the 20 plus speakers at this year's conference. Uh, wh what is it that you're going to be talking about this year? Yeah, so, you know, it's a great format. I mean, PCRM is always moving the bar forward and how they're delivering information. And so this year, what they're looking at doing is you all are looking at doing is teaming together a culinary component with a lecture component to really deliver the message. And so we're really diving in to look at uh, in, in, in cultural aspects inside communities of color, looking at the burden of disease and also the food and how there can be improvements that have been made, still holding on to who you are, still holding on to your, your heritage, the things that you like inside every culture around the world. There's plant-based foods inside there. <laughs> There's power in the nutrition. There's power in those cookbooks. Not so that we don't have to pass along uh, bad habits. We can pass along good habits while maintaining our culture. And so that's what this segment is roughly going to be about. Oh man, I love that so very much. So here's what you need to do to register right now. You see the address on the screen, pcrm.org slash ICNM. And if you register before March 1st, you're going to get an enormous savings, just $299 for all 
three days. And if you're a student right now, it's just $175 for the entire conference. And uh, continuing education credits are available for doctors, dietitians, nutritionists, nurses, anybody who needs them. They are available as well. Hope to see you there, Dr. Batista. I know I will see you there and we will talk to you again very soon, my friend. Look forward to it. In the episode notes, you will find a link to register for ICNM. Would love to see you there so that you can partake in Dr. Batiste's incredible presentation. Sounds like we're going into Dr. Batiste's kitchen. I guess we would call that Columbus's kitchen. Kind of alliterative. Kind of cool, though. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. And of course, more than 20 of the other leading voices in health and nutrition will be speaking at the conference this year, which will be again entirely online. One of the other presentations that will be there this year is from our very own Dr. Hannah Kaliova. She's going to be there and taking a deeper look at the study that she and Dr. Neil Barnard did recently that compared the vegan and Mediterranean diets, put them head to head to figure out which is best for weight loss and why. So we're really going to be zeroing in on what that data shows. Would love to have you join us for that presentation as well. So go ahead, click on that link in the episode notes, lock in your special savings before March 1st. And of course the conference coming up July 15th through 17th. Dr. Batiste will be there as well. And if you right now are ready to take charge of your cardio health, we'll go ahead and make an appointment with one of our doctors or dietitians at the Barnard Medical Center. Those who'd put a premium on preventative medicine and know the power of your plate. They know how important food can be for your diet and to keep not just your heart in tip top shape, but your body from head to toe and reduce the risk of so many of these chronic diseases, including heart disease. So go ahead, pick up the phone or log on to barnardmedical.org to schedule your telemedicine visit today. Appointments now available in more than a quarter of the country and insurance is accepted. 202-527-7500 is the phone number to call or again, barnardmedical.org. And if you also haven't done so yet, please go ahead and subscribe to The Exam Room by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever shows are available, and leave a five-star rating if you would be so kind. Because as we say every time on this program, the more new subscriptions we get, the more five-star ratings we receive, the easier it becomes for people who need this information the most, those who are truly struggling with their health, and facing a life and death situation, they can help. They can more easily find this information. So go ahead and subscribe and leave that five-star rating if you would be so kind. And that's going to do it for us today. Man, we learned a lot, didn't we? I love the mailbag shows. I love the mailbag shows. You just bounce around from topic to topic to topic. And before you know it, you really have raised your health IQ by at least two, three points. Great stuff. So I want to say thank you one more time to my guest, Dr. Columbus Batiste, for joining us today. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe 
take a stand, and keep it plant-based.